welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Sutella Esquire, Mike Leno, and Evan Ginsberg. So, um, yes, a lot of interesting news this week in wrestling. Um, I think the, the major story for everyone is the uh, uh, news about the Ring of Honor. Do you guys want to talk about what your thoughts are about Ring of Honor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the best nights of my life were spent seeing Ring of Honor live in New York at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And um, I tell people all the time that Nigel McGuinness against Brian Danielson was the Dory Funk Jr., Jack Briscoe, the Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair of the 2000s. And for all the idiots who refer to Ring of Honor as nothing but spot monkeys, they're clueless, clueless. Because those two guys, that match alone, I saw four times live in New York City. And it was four to five stars easy every single time. And uh, some of the best wrestling I've ever seen in 47 years of attending. And uh, they had all the Japanese guys in Ring of Honor, Morishima, you know, just Austin Aries, who's on the fanboys bad list. Always a great, great live performer. Forget the politics. The guy always put on a great match. And uh, when, I, I you, when you say that, is that because of the uh, him fat shaming um uh, what's her face, uh, Taya Valkyrie, when she was still in uh, Impact? I don't know. All I know is there's certain guys like Ryback and uh, Austin Aries and Goldberg. The fanboys just hate them with a passion. And and I, I, I just judge wrestling by was it a great match or not. And Austin Aries always put on a good, very good, or great match. That's all I care about. I'm not an obsessive who dwells on every little bit of gossip. Oh, my God. Is is uh, Charlotte going to AEW? Is there heat with Charlotte in the dressing room? Who cares? Just put on a good match. That's my Ben for the day. Mike, go Let ahead. me say this because I didn't get to shoot the Cow Palace Ring of Honor, that fiasco convention, because I was at the DA's office trying to press charges against the promoters who fled with all the money, the cash box for the wrestlers, the cash box for the MMA guys, but Russ did, but I've shot pretty much all ring of honor on the West coast. That's their LA appearances at three of those wrestle cons that high spots, high spots, Mike B puts on and just sidebar before I get into ring of honor. Yeah. Austin Aries. I mean, I shot him at one of those shows in a singles match with Liger Austin Aries absolutely incredible talent and it pains my heart you know i know he said that crap and he got into it legit with ty i forget her real name uh now she's frankie monet in the in wwe's nxt for however long they keep somebody as talented as her but he got into it with her husband john morrison uh when he you know said she'd put on some pounds or some bullshit like that he didn't have to say I mean, she's one of the best kick-ass wrestlers on the, you know, that's not a Japanese wrestler today doing hardcore style, mixing Japanese and Canadian and U.S. and European and, of course, Lucha, where she's been a goddess. So, yeah, he's almost been out of wrestling pretty much since he left Impact, you know, with sporadic appearances here and there. I think he did some MLW, which you guys may want to watch. Try to find Saturdays on um, Vice Network because... 
I keep looking for it on cable and satellite, and I only found the one at the beginning of October. And I think Court Bauer says they're on every week or almost every Saturday. I'm not finding MLW, which for now, and, and the reason we're talking about Ring of Honor is they're going to be taking a leave until next April. Their parent company, Sinclair. Who I don't have, think there's going to be anything left. They're, they're selling out all their assets. They let all their talent go. No, they're, they're going to pay them through the talent that is uh, – uh, not signed. They're going to get paid through the end of this year, they claim, Sinclair claims, and or Ring of Honor's head people, the different head people than the ones that Evan and I knew, like uh, Gabe Sapolsky and Carrie Silken later on after the Rob Feinstein thing. But then those that are contracted are going to be paid allegedly through the end of March or thereabouts but they have said that their talent that's not under contract currently can sign with anybody else and work for anybody else. So it does not look good for a promotion that were for a long time was number two in this country, as Evan and I both know, was number two quality work rate. They beat out TNA, you know, often because the matches, the cards top to bottom were outstanding. And for those on the East Coast, yeah, it kind of filled the void when ECW went down. And we lost, you know, the, the ultimate uh, of the uh, revolutionary uh, groups, which was ECW and Heyman's ECW. But the, the shows that I saw were off the charts, uh, like in 2015. That was one of the last uh, Ring of Honors I shot as part of the WrestleMania, that whole thing where everybody on the planet comes in to take advantage of WrestleMania. In this case, it was San Jose, Santa Clara area of Northern California. And the show was sold out within, you know, like half hour or less to, to, uh, to start with. And people, you know, were standing room only. The place was like overpacked. There were people hoping to get in. They were like waiting for possible standby. It was insane. And uh, Evan talks about that match, which was off the charts and historic. But I would also throw out there uh, uh, Kenta Kobashi Samoa Joe as like a biblical match for Ring of Honor too. That got, Joe didn't go over, but that match he got over. You know, that's the whole thing of, you don't have to go over to get over. And Kobashi, Kenta Kobashi, the way they announce it in Japan is uh, first or last name first, Kobashi Kenta. Man, he really helped Samoa Joe. The match was incredible. And this was a Kenta Kobashi, not at his full prime. But you look at all the people now that populate WWE and Impact, etc., cetera, uh, or, of course, more recently. And they're all former Ring of Honor superstars. You know, uh, almost all of them are, that are headlining, that are actual great workers like uh, Seth Rollins, uh, etc., Brian Danielson and AEW. But, of course, he was Daniel Bryan in WWE. But more recent... Uh, the guys that they they kind of botched. I think Ring of Honor had problems when they allowed the Bucks and uh, Cody in particular, Omega maybe secondarily, and uh, uh, Hangman Pierce to do that MSG show and not have it listed as a joint effort or you know a big Ring of Honor deal with New Japan. It was kind of more Ring of Honor wasn't didn't get the credit they should have gotten for allowing that show and allowing those guys. I think what they thought was from what I've heard, you know, talking to bully Ray, et cetera, was they, um, felt the management and maybe Sinclair, et cetera, felt that they allowed Cody and the young bucks to do this thing with new Japan at Madison square garden, which I think Evan went to that they would 
easily re-sign with them. And apparently they didn't like the money they were offered, didn't sign. And that was sort of the birth of that first all in, which led to the birth of AEW with Tony Khan's money. And look at them now. That should be, you know, I've described it before. AEW is Ring of Honor on steroids, on big money. And that's what Ring of Honor could have been. Um, so it's just a shame. And it, it breaks my heart. I know it breaks Evan and Russ's heart. Uh, maybe, Russ, tell us about that Cow Palace. Did you get to go to, I forget now, because I had to, you know, go and try to press charges uh, against those yeah. promoters. Yeah, so no, I, I wasn't there on Sunday either because I knew that bad things were going down at that that event. And Saturday was such an incredible disaster that I said I'd had enough. I didn't want to see Sunday. But I, I see our Ring of Honor as sort of as a federation that couldn't get out of its own way. And by that, I mean, it wasn't the wrestling that I think anyone had a problem with. In fact, it's one of those feds that when you look at it match by match, their matches were incredible. But it was the way that the Federation was run. I mean, you look from the very beginning of Ring of Honor and Rob Feinstein. Now, a lot of our listeners probably don't understand who Rob Feinstein is or was and how his involvement almost doomed Ring of Honor from the very beginning. I don't know if that's true. Ed would know that better because Rob had his scandal. He had to leave Ring of Honor, the company. Let's rewind that. Let's rewind that and, and tell some of the viewers who Rob Feinstein was and why him being involved in Ring of Honor was so controversial. Do you, anyone want to feel that at all? Maybe I better let Evan uh, say that. He was a tape bootlegger for a long time and then got in trouble because he was selling duplicate copies of stuff, of people's TV shows and whatnot. And uh, well, He got in trouble for more than that. Well, yeah, but I don't want to... Personally, I don't want to go into all that. I mean, you can look online and figure out what that was. But he had to leave the promotion he founded and gave Sapolsky... I think really took the reins and did a great job. Evan, you know, would know more, but I've known Gabe, you know, forever since he was kind of a, a go for for Paul Heyman and ECW and would go and pick the guys up at the airport. That was his thing, as was Rob's. But Rob did clean up his act. I think he was the one that really made a, a success. He didn't create shoot interviews on tape, but with his RF video library, he had to stop you know, bootlegging and pirating other people's uh, content and, and selling it. And uh, then really made a splash after, I think before his, and after his scandal with the shoot interviews where guys most often get paid, sometimes get liquored up and they talk and they shoot, you know, people are buying those things. Now that's kind of dead with everything being streamed unless I don't even know what you can offer uh, as, a, uh, as a content person. But I thought, and then Evan knows, and who's going to talk about Carrie Silk and all that stuff. It's just the recent stuff with Sinclair. I think they gave up on promoting the TV. There was no promoting of the, the TV when Evan comes back, because it is Halloween, everybody. And I want to, until we get Evan back, I want to show AEW sent me a uh, Thunder Rosa mask, which I'm going to be wearing. I'm all in black, you know, giving the candy away tonight at, at my my home and my mother-in-law's place. Um but uh, I'm going to be going with my kids. 
And I go as 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 Leopardo Loco. I have my my lucha wrestling mask. My dotted wrestling. It's a black and white spotted mask. I'll, I'll probably. Yeah, I do want to talk about some more about Halloween, uh, which is you know kind of a big deal. And, and you know Chucky was on uh, the uh, NXT show the other night, which actually was a great show for NXT. I was forgetting or dreading it. But let's go to Ev to talk maybe about. Uh, so Ev, what I was saying was, I think Sinclair just hasn't promoted the TV. They they bought it, own it, and it. it they, I think they just saw it as uh, ratings delivering content for them on their various networks around the country. I get it on two stations here in Southern Cal, but they're also if you get Direct TV or a sports package on those sports channels Friday night, it's usually on at uh, nine Pacific time. Uh, you can watch the, the weekly shows or just go watch them free on their website. Sinclair, it just, I don't think they, you know, they don't even probably know who some of the talent is. Brody King or some of these great talents. They have Jonathan Gresham, who I think is one of the most superb athletes on the planet. Ev, let's go to you for your take on it. Because Russ was saying, you know, whatever, but I just think it's been more recently, maybe no more than two years, maybe three, that they've kind of botched meeting Sinclair, not Ring of Honor, certainly not the talent, which is second to none. Amazingly, the kid that just came trick or treating, he was dressed as Jay Lethal, so I was impressed by that. <laughs> no, joking. I'm joking, but Ted or dreadlocks, Jay. Yeah, but um, I was a member of uh, Ring of Honor Honor Club, where that's where I got all my content, as opposed to you know through Sinclair, which is very very right wing and uh, not my thing. But uh, Ring of Honor. Again, um, like I, I saw the American Wolves wrestle in New York, and uh, Davey Richards won the uh, ROH belt, and it was just magnificent, just like a clinic, a clinic. And um, there was so much great wrestling on those cards, although admittedly in recent years after WWE and everybody cherry-picked their best talent, it wasn't quite the same, but they always emphasize good wrestling. It wasn't about, you know, the guys who were seven feet tall and 400 pounds with the 24 inch, you know, muscles and all the, you know, Vince nonsense. You know, Vince is a size queen. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about that. It was about, you know, great, great wrestling. And, um, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I really took it hard this week. I, uh, you know, and I went beyond that. I, I brought Ring of Honor into the wrestler movie, as you can see in the climactic scene, you know, uh, when Mickey Rourke's about to have the heart attack. That's a Ring of Honor ring. We worked hand in hand with them. And um, I would sit there with Larry Sweeney for hours, you know, while we were filming and just bullshit with them and, you know, the guy killed himself 27 years old. And, no, it's like, uh, I, I know these guys. Carrie's my friend. I saw him in Carrie Silken, you know, who was, you know, the guy who, you know, kept it going for years. And uh, He's still yeah. got, like an honorary position. He's still with the yeah. company. He's not producing or I don't think he has an active role, but he's still goodwill ambassador ev is that right yeah yeah i would say so um i saw i saw carrie at a convention and you know the guy comes over and hugs me i, I mean i i have a real um connection with these guys and um 
you know, to see them on basically life support, it kind of feels like the AWA at the end where, uh, you know, they went to like, AWA went to all those goofy formats. They had teams wrestling each other and all that nonsense at the very end. Um, I, I just want to see them exist and thrive in some capacity, even if it's just a quality indie in the spring of 2022. I, I, they deserve to exist. And let me put this out there. You know, for almost 20 years, these guys put out quality wrestling. And the fans, a lot of them were front runners. And they just basically deserted them when uh, AEW came into existence. I don't think they were very loyal, a lot of the fans. Was, oh, you know, every Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Yeah, they're bigger stars than... Most of the guys Ring of Honor have right now, but so what? You could support both. But what's your take on the mistake that may have been made in not uh, demanding that the Ring of Honor name be listed as the co-promoter with New Japan at Madison Square Garden? Tell us about that. I honestly, I honestly don't know the politics because I was working WrestleCon that weekend with um, Greg Valentine and the 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 night at Madison Square Garden, me me and Greg and the boys, we were working a gimmick table at some indie in Brooklyn. We weren't even at. Oh, we, we were just trying to make money all weekend. We were running from show to show, so um, I wasn't even at the garden that night. Although I saw it on um, on a club. I mean, I did see the show at some point, but um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know the politics of that. But, and there was a lot of outcry when the championship, the Ring of Honor championship, changed hands uh, at the MSG show. You know, a lot of folks didn't think the decision was the right one at the time, etc. I, li- I like Matt Taven, but, you know, obviously he's not the star that Kenny Omega is. I mean, you know, that's just reality. But Matt Taven's a great performer. Again, why can't you support both? You know, that's that's what I didn't quite understand. Well, there there are things about Ring of Honor, though, that I thought kind of fell short. A couple of things. One is, as I said, it wasn't necessarily the the um, the wrestling that was the problem. But if you if you look, for instance, at the Wikipedia entry of Ring of Honor, you see that the ownership and who ran Ring of Honor changed about every two years. I mean, they didn't have a stable owner of Ring of Honor since the very beginning. They just kept moving from one, you know, head of promotion to another. There's no kind of consistency as far as that goes. I think that hurt it a lot. And for me, I felt Ring of Honor really ignored the West Coast. You granted you you were saying that the that the uh, they had a huge show. Came to Vegas quite a bit, and they had those three shows three years in a row. But Vegas is not the West Coast. I'd like to to point out to you, there's like about 800 miles between yeah, the coast and Las Vegas. So <laughs> that's not the coast. It's uh, we're talking San Francisco, you know, is, and I'm talking. It is on the West Coast. Vegas is on the the West Coast of the United States, but. They had, you want to walk from from Vegas to the beach? I'll 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 meet you over at the beach. Let's we're not talking literally coast. We're talking the left side of the U.S. And I think that's a problem. Is that they they rec- they didn't recognize 
the 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 true West Coast. They didn't do a lot of shows in San Francisco, as you said. The last one they did was a huge the sellout. The only one they did was was part of that convention. They went to markets where they were, um, you know, they were well established and had perhaps you know a following, etc. The problem with Sinclair in San Francisco is we we when I lived up there the forty years I lived up there, but you know more recently last or since Sinclair bought it over, they Sinclair has no stations in the Bay Area. San Francisco is like a normal, you know, Democrat area. Down here in Orange County, they it's Channel 56 KDOC is actually owned by Channel 5. It's not a Sinclair station, but they air Ring of Honor. They did have it Sunday afternoons at four for years, and then they moved it now to four in the morning Sunday mornings, which is insane. And I talked to the station manager. I go, people have to just DVR it. You can't expect people to, you know, they're not going to get up to watch that, but they're going to DVR it. Uh, and they have great ratings. I, I can't get an explanation for why it was moved there, but that's not even a Sinclair station. And this is like the most conservative, ridiculous Trump red area, at least in California. Uh, so you would think they would have a station here, but it is on various sports channels. You can watch it on sports channel. Uh, but I feel they never really touched California in a way that would have made California a viable market for them. They really, just like ECW, when ECW went out of business, to me, I wasn't affected very much because they never did anything in California. So they were such an easy One of their last pay-per-views, I shot ringside at uh, the L.A. Olympic Auditorium. Okay, the L.A. Olympic Auditorium. What good? That's, again. That's a big market. That's a bigger market. It is a big market, but it does nothing for anyone that's in Northern California. There's there's millions of people in Northern California. It's it's not whether they come to you and your market. That doesn't mean diddly squat. They're going to, you know. Chicago, they went regularly in Atlanta. A lot Russ, of Russ, what you have to understand is these guys were from all over the country and even all over the world because they regularly had Japanese talent. So to fly all these guys into an untried market was a huge risk and a, a huge expense. And they were established in New York, established in Chicago, established in other areas. And they were a national federation with a regional approach. Okay. That is uh, that is the way that I I see. Our well, they're based out of the Northeast. Most all their shows, maybe sixty percent of their shows, were Northeast. But they did, you know, they went to Florida and they went to places that ECW had had success in. They used Gabe in particular. Uh, even yeah. even if you looked at the WWE in major arenas when they go into, let's say, LA or San Francisco. They'd use some of the local talent on the undercard so they didn't have to fly everybody in. Which and is fine. Have... It's because at least you're touching those those regions and you're giving the impression that you've got a nationwide approach to your wrestling program. Whereas if you ignore regions forever, they stop caring so much that you're airing wrestling because they're like i'll never get a chance to see these guys live i'm never getting a chance to see an event in my area because they don't care about my area i understand i'm just saying it's very expensive to fly 20 guys into 
you know, uh, another area and they could die out there if they don't have a... Well, they could, they could do, as you said, the WWE approach, which is book mostly local wrestlers and have one or two big names fly in it wouldn't that be represent a Ring of Honor. It would be a Ring of Honor show. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's just, it's a shame. We'll have to see, you know, I hope that's not lip service. I hope they do return. It might be as, as radically changed as NXT 2.0, which I hate saying next April when they reopen, it's obviously going to be different. The most, all the talent's going to be different. The Jay Lethal's, the Gresham's, the Brody King's, the great, the, the Lucha brothers there that they have in Dragon Lee and Roosh or Rush, but it's pronounced Roosh and Lucha. Um, they're probably all going to be gone. So maybe it'll be, you know, different. You have a guy who had worked with Ring of Honor. Um, we just had on the uh, the guy who ran uh, Shimmer, for example, and he's now running the women's division for a very Ring of Honor like MLW, which is going into all of these places and keeping ticket prices at like a $15 max price point. Uh, but he's got, you know, incredible talent, uh, similar to, to Ring of Honor. He's got some dream matches. He's got Davey Richards, who I always thought was the next Dynamite kid. Ev nice well, I don't know why he took a couple of years off. You know, it was like he took X amount of years. Maybe he, got, he, got a, he got a real profession in the in the medical, some kind of medical job. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a doctor or he's... You got a legitimate job with steady pay and benefits. That's the answer. Yeah. And well, his wife is like the queen and the top wrestler for Ring of Honor and has been for quite a while. Angelina Love, who was, you know, most people know from TNA, all the accomplishments she had there. But, I, you know, I don't know. We should, uh, you know, look at some of these federations. I mean, uh, Billy Corgan's NWA is not going to, you know, tour around, but they're, I think they're viewed as national because they have, you know, TV that you can watch pretty much. I mean, you can watch anything and anybody online. What, what is going on with the Ring of Honor Club? What have you, have they ceased doing that? or what's the story? still exist. I mean, uh, they're still advertising it. I don't know if it shuts down at some point. I mean, you would still have access to all their old shows and content. So I guess if people wanted to continue, they could. I mean... They have thousands of hours of old shows on there. So, you know, um, it's like any other streaming service. You've had it probably since the start. Have you been able to watch all the content or is it just so incredible and so much of it that you just can't get it all in? You, you know, you have uh, I, I, I'm just not one to watch endless wrestling. Uh, I'm more a movie guy, honestly. I, I like to be there live and experience it and be with friends and, bullshit with the wrestlers, et cetera, so on. I, you know, I'm not, but every once in a while, you know, I would pull up a match and something like, I'm a huge fan of homicide. I think that guy's so, so oh, you, uh, underrated. You, produce him. you did like what Wade Keller did for Sean Waltman and, uh, uh, his other opponent there, Jerry Lynn for Eddie Sharkey in Minnesota year, you know, back in 1990. But I think, the many times you brought him to our show legends uh and you brought along some of the other guys too uh uh from that uh, homicide started out with we had him on the show we had like on before he broke big i mean what? these guys were kids they, they came out of the doghouse in brooklyn bobby lombardi's uh, school 
And I, you know, I would see these guys every weekend, 10 minutes from my house. And I, I said, these guys are great, homicide and low key. And, you know, great is great. And, and both of them made it to, to different degrees. And homicide's still on, on TV, you know? And uh, it's, um, again, it, it's kind of like heartbreaking to see where Ring of Honor is right now. It, it's just a shame because in a sane world, that would be what everybody would be watching instead of WWE with, with you know, 90% garbage that they put on. The shows are still good, though. Every week, week in and week out, they have, they're refreshing. They have their lead play-by-play -play person often has been the female that introduces the show. So they made good use of that. And Delirious, I think, is still a good booker. The talent's still great. I don't know what's going to be happening with the show's are they going to be, uh, is Sinclair going to do best ofs until hopefully they return in April or what's yeah, your that's what they said. They're going to be doing retro shows with, you know, all the great matches that they have. They have an unbelievable library. So sure. it's not going to be a problem putting on an hour TV show every week. It's just a matter of where will they be six months from now. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be kind of like the AWA at the end. They'll run shows, but on a much smaller level. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they somehow bounce back. I hope um, I hope there's a uh, major money mark out there that will come into the picture and save these guys. Uh, I don't know why uh, Tony Khan is, and there's reason to that because he makes money too. But this, um, what does he call it, Russ? The Forbidden Door thing. I don't know why he didn't reach out because they have mentioned Ring of Honor. You know when they go over the the backgrounds. The announcers are not disallowed to mention any other federations. They can name anybody. And I know they've name dropped Ring of Honor. You know, they said so-and-so accomplished this in Ring of Honor, who's now with AEW and blah, blah, blah. Um, why he could not help out Ring of Honor. And you know, that might be somebody who does because that guy is like Billy Corgan. Unlike Vince, uh, these guys seem to have grown up with it as as fans of marks like all of us did as little kids they love the business and they have a human side uh which is kind of neat to see now after all the decades evan and i you know and russ too have watched this thing so i'm, I'm hoping maybe uh, particularly tony khan you know can help them out and, and maybe he will if it isn't that it's gonna be the giant shark that is uh the WWE is circling the waters. Well, unless, uh, you know, WWE, they've shown with an indie great. I saw Keith Lee, as probably you guys might have, on Evolve shows. Gabe Sapolsky's, you know, he's always doing something. And he's always getting, you know, the best talent. Uh, that uh, uh, kid, Matt Riddle, and, uh, uh, you know, the one with the face paint that's coming out with Sting. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Uh but all of these guys were Gabe Sapolsky guys, and for to see how they're just misusing, to take Bearcat Wright's nickname and throw that on to Keith Lee and think he'll get over when they don't even say, well, why is he a Bearcat? That's who they're, you know, he was awesome in NXT. And the minute what, they call what is a Bearcat? The average person wouldn't know. How can he go from being Keith Lee to, you know, they're dropping his name and just calling him Bearcat now. Yeah. You know, that's what they did with the, uh, Nikki Cross, you know, now she's Nikki, and sometimes they say Ash, you know, the 
thing for ASH. I don't know. It, it pains me to talk about this. I want to ask you guys what your favorite. Did we discuss this last week? Your favorite Halloween movies? Like I could ask both of you. Name five. Yes, or- we did. I, I I said the thing, and um, uh, uh, also uh, uh, the original Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre are are the, my my higher. Highest rated. I would go with Dawn of the Dead, number one, Romero, of course, the original. Halloween, number two. I saw it in the theater. People were jumping out of their seats, the original, John Carpenter. Number three, Horror, Dracula, or Christopher Lee. On The Shining. That was the other one that I, I had mentioned, was The, was the Shining. And they, last, they... last night, I was channel surfing, and all of a sudden, they had on... Um, uh, Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, which was one of them that I had never seen. So I started watching it. And there's Donald Pleasance right before he's about to drop dead. He's basically like staggering around the movie, just chewing up the scenery. Like every sentence, every line was like melodramatic. He's, he was great. I love Donald Pleasance. He was, the movie's crap. What's that? What a great actor. I, everything he was in, I was always drawn to whatever he was doing. He was in that movie I mentioned as one of the scariest of all time. It came out around 73, 74, Sisters, with Margot Kidder, who I mentioned, where she, you can't tell, are there is there an evil and a good twin, or is she one and the same, and she's just, you know, morphing and, and having uh, body and mental displacement issues. But he was in that one, too. Let me let me since you mentioned Margot Kidder, let me let me throw this out there. She did not end up well, okay, and died young, relatively young. Um, wrestlers for the most part don't end up well. Porn stars don't end up well, boxes don't end up well. Anything that's about the body, the face, beauty, once it fades, once the youth is gone, it's like pimps disposing of hoes. Really, these are brutal businesses, okay? Brutal. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to find something that isn't just raw physicality, you know, that, that makes what, you know. I mean, there are people that do it, and they find ways to to invest what they've got, you know, before they spend it all. But a lot of people are, you know, especially in wrestling, there's, it's so visceral. And Vince doesn't do anything to help guys with financial knowledge or or you know planning or anything there that's where they're truly independent contractors and vince doesn't really care if they spend their money like uh uh guys like um uh, jimmy anvil nightheart or uh or nasty boy uh, brian knobs you know you think, mike has a medical background you think these mmm mma guys getting kicked in the head are gonna end up well not a lot of them oh, look at ken shamrock my friend ken shamrock who was the cream of the crop in the Early 90s, uh, but I mean, he started with the original, the original, well, modern day MMA, we had the Ali Inoki match in 76 in New Japan. And then Inoki, a couple of years later, started bringing in boxing and MMA folks. And both, even All Japan had Anton Giesink, a judo master. New Japan had uh, various guys. And, uh, and he would bring in the Spinks brothers and, you know, teach them how to work pro and stuff. But the real, first modern-day MMA was uh, the original Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama, Sammy Sorinaka. They created something called UWF. Yeah, had, the very first one, which had one well, I mean, wrestling, each fighting style, fighting each late other. Late 80s, 
late 80s. I went to one of their big shows at the Tokyo Dome. But they had the four guys who would split off and form their own groups. So that group started by the original Tiger Mask, sold out the Tokyo Dome several times, and then they split up. Maeda formed rings. Fujiwara formed Fujiwara Gumi. He's when they say Fujiwara Armbar, that's what they're talking about. Funaki, Masakatsu Funaki started Pancrase, which was the cream of the cream. And he took uh, uh, Fujiwara at times, but also uh, Ken Shamrock and uh, the Malenko brothers. And then Takata formed what would become UWF one. And that was a total worked very few of the matches, if any were shoots. And, you know, they went on and, and the U.S. started televising them in 91, 92. And then in 93, uh, UFC, the first in, incarnation of it was born. And they were looking and, and trying to replicate what UWF had had done. And, and then, of course, later on, uh, Pride, that was a big MMA group. But so Ken Shamrock now is, you know, now he's having to resort to doing almost anything in MMA to make money. Uh, I don't know what happened to his run at Impact. You know, he had to come back and do pro wrestling and put over guys like uh, uh, Sammy Callahan and and stuff and defer to them. And, you know, I don't know. He kind of looked weak in, in the process. Uh, and he should have made millions. He even had to run with the WWE for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, he and Dan Severn were not like the Kurt Angles. Kurt Angle looked believable, and it was a good transition for him. He was a complete great pro wrestler, but Shamrock and Dan Severn also from UFC, you know, they, they, it didn't look, they, they looked a little stiff. They were not the type of performers at angle angle really took to it. Uh, those guys, and Ken Blackman, uh, and, uh, Steve Blackman. Yeah. I don't even know what his, was he a legit MMA guy? He certainly wasn't in UFC. I mean, he did like the shtick as if he was, I don't know if he was a foe or a legit MMA guy. I think, I think he was legit from what I remember. Um, it's a badass, no doubt. I, I, I don't know if you, I mean, I, I know you realize this, but it's rarely addressed. I know so many indie guys who never made the big time, and inevitably they're telling me, Evan, I just had another surgery, another surgery, you know, just and a lot of these guys are just weekend warriors. So imagine the guys that were full time, 300 plus days a year. Later, WWE, 250 or so days a year, you know, who are taking bumps, you know, uh, the toll this takes on the human body. And MMA is so relatively new, you know, what's getting kicked in the head by black belts all the time going to do to your brain at some point? It can't be healthy. I don't want to get kicked in the head by <laughs> by any black belt. I'm well, sorry. end up with tragedies like... Uh, Iceman Chuck Liddell, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, did they arrested him for spousal. You know, his thing was saying, oh, no, my wife hit me. But he was the one that did jail time. You know, bottom line, who's who does the jail time? So there have been so many cases of domestic violence with MMA guys, often where the wife is also an MMA fighter in addition to the husband. And, yeah, I've seen a lot of them that, that don't have money. that to- pay-per-view. Well, as somewhat of a, of, a, of a devil's advocate argument for MMA is that you're not with MMA, the whole body is the target and not necessarily just the head. In boxing, you're just aiming for the head and, and for the 
the body, but mostly you're aiming for the head to try to get the knockout. McGregor's leg didn't look too good that last fight. No, but at least there's another guy. You talk about trouble. He was uh, charged again. I don't know if he was arrested. It's like almost every week or every other week, he punches somebody for no reason. He was being interviewed by somebody uh, just earlier this week. And then a couple of weeks ago, he was at the award show and he tried taking a swing at whatever that uh, music star who's with, uh, you know, that hot babe, uh, the hot actress, I can't think of her name, who left her husband for this uh, rock guy, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, Conor McGregor got into a Machine Gun Kelly. And it's, it's like... This guy is destroying whatever great legacy he built. You know, I, I don't, you know, who's going to support this guy? So that's a problem with a lot of these guys. And then Ev, we see even MMA guys at some of these fan fest things where, you know, I don't know if it's, it's good or lucky that they have these things. Like you mentioned, you and Greg Valentine, we've been a part of these things for decades, all these fan fests where they go and they'll make money. So they have a never, you know, as long as you can kind of, keep yourself Tammy free and scandal free. I think you could do, you know, as many of these weekend conventions and chiller theaters and Russell cons. Yeah, but, it, but it's not a substitute for uh, pension and a 401k and health benefits. Employer. That starts with like Vince McMahon. I mean, honestly, and I'm not, I'm not look, I, I've worked with tons of legends at these various shows. For the most part, unless you're a Ric Flair or a big name like a Hulk Hogan, these guys aren't making big money at these conventions. You know, some of them, some of them are making three figures, not even four figures for some of these appearances. They're making hundreds of dollars, not even thousands of dollars for some of these. So you know, it's it's kind of exploitative too. You know, a baseball player is not going to sit for three hundred dollars doing an appearance. You know, I know I know agents taking 60 percent commissions from these guys. Come on. You know, it's it, and well, I mean, some of these guys have some very expensive habits as well. Now, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I think the uh, statute of limitations has run out on this. But uh, during the um, uh, 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 the uh, Russell Fan Fest, that was a huge disaster in 2007, James Mitchell came up to me and. James Mitchell, he was very, very nice, very congenial, very friendly. So I don't want to say anything necessarily bad about him, but the very first two things he asked me. One of my was, friends on Facebook, before you say anything terrible, he's going to hear this. Uh, I'll, I'll, the show. I mean, he did. He did ask me like where I could make a score and where I could find, you know, somebody for him to to find companionship. You know, I talked to him for maybe about 10 minutes and he asked me where to find both of those things. So it's like, you know, that if, you, if you're only making 100 bucks for an appearance or something like that, it's not going to last very long. Well, most of them get 350 to 500 as a minimum if they're alleged. Yeah, but that'll go pretty quickly if your habits are uh, such that you are trying to find. Well, if you remember my newsletter series, Jimmy Mitchell, who was just starting out in the business for Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain as a heel manager with full head of hair and everything. And, you know, was normally, he wasn't this evil character. He's been, you know, the last, well, pretty much since ECW and WCW days with Canyon. But he start, he wrote almost every one of my issues, the wrestling reality that Evan helped out with. That guy's awesome. He's an awesome performer. He's still performing. Yeah, he's a regular whenever uh, 
Rosemary and the Rosemary and, and the other one, Sue Young. The funny thing was I, I when that Sue Young started on the indie level, I said, is her, you know, because she spells it S-U-Y-U-N-G. Sometimes it's one word, sometimes separate. I go, I bet her real name is S-U-E and then Y-O-U-N-G. And I got a laugh out of her. I got some email response. Uh, but yeah, he's involved with them, you know, the, the dark undertaker. It's like impacts budget undertaker type stuff that they do with these. And, uh, and it's that, that breaks my heart too, that, you know, wrapping up here, um, Kimberly, who was killed it on the indie scene. She's been an indie great for probably a good 20 years. I think shimmer and shine champions had main events and she's part of that thing now with Sue young and the mystical stuff and, and, uh, Jimmy Mitchell and all of that. But she recently revealed after Daphne Shannon took her life that she's had suicidal thoughts and uh, people fat shame her. And that's something maybe we can tackle in subsequent weeks or let when. Me, let me throw this in there then. You know, concussion after concussion after concussion, which many of these wrestlers have. I've had indie guys tell me they've had up to 16 concussions, different indie guys who I'm friends with. And, and, and they're in their 40s at this point, and they're like, my memory isn't what it was, and I, you know, I'm worried, I, you know, I want to recognize my kid 10 years from now. And, you know, and, and that sometimes leads to suicidal thoughts, violence, uh, you know, multiple concussions. That's no secret. It's, uh, and it's part of the business. And it's... Um, well, her, her case, she was listing just a few trolling fans and that's why i hate social media in wrestling or other sports but particularly wrestling i mean how can you trash somebody who's working to entertain you this isn't a real sport they're obsessives yeah it's it but somebody like her who is as nice and sweet a person as possible as was shannon I'm a nice, sweet person. I've been called every name of the book in social media. <laughs> you can't even imagine the stuff I've been called over the years. So, uh, I, but I roll with it. You know, I'll, I'll throw it right back at people. But you know, some people, you know, they're, they're sensitive, and you know, like, you, you get like like that poor Japanese girl that killed herself. Yeah, I mean, I think part of part of the problem is also the death of kayfabe, and so you're not able to create this. You see, when I created Buddy Satello, yes, people hated Buddy Satello, but they weren't hating me personally. They were hating a character that I created, which I created that character to be hated. But when people now are their first and last names, they aren't, you know, there's no nickname or anything like that, that people start then really internalizing it because People are saying, boo, Russell Jackman. I hate Russell Jackman. Well, when you hear that all the time, it really does start wearing you down. If people hate your character, that's one thing. And when you, you know, create a character and kayfabe it, then, then you have that sort of shell of protection that people aren't just criticizing you personally. But when people personally get after you, you, well, that's you the thing with social media now, because back in our day, I yes. hate to say that, sound old, but in the 60s, 70s, 80s, oh, you sound the old. most you can contact with a wrestler is maybe send a fan letter to the company. Say you want right. to talk to Arn Anderson or tell him what you think of him, you send a fan letter to the company. But now social... Mass superstar. Be, 
Dear Tugboat. It would be Dear Mass Superstar. Dear Tugboat. Dear Junkyard Dog. Don't you agree now you can post right on the wrestlers and, and they have to hear about it or read it. You can trash them on their Facebook, yeah. their Twitter, their Instagram, whatever. And, so let, and me, let me throw this out there. We, we, spent, we spent six years making 350 days. If you go on Amazon, the reviews are wildly positive, but there's guys that just hated it. They didn't get it. Whoosh, right over their heads. So you put six years into something and they'll write like a one word review boring sucks you know and you go oh my god we you know we put we we worked so hard to do something special and these idiots you know it just dismiss it and every idiot has a following today so they're telling five thousand people this movie sucks you know so um you, you got to be able to take criticism if you're out there in any kind of you know public forum even a podcast this is a public forum not everybody understands what we do here we pour everybody out loves this show right everybody does well yeah. as wrap as we wrap everybody should love and watch on tv tonight it being halloween nightmare before christmas uh the danny elfman tim burton thing i went to junior high i know evan gets sick of hearing me but, you know, when you grow up in L.A., you're bound to be around. And I was right in the heart of it in Westwood near Beverly Hills. So I went to junior high with Danny Elfman and shot his band at all of these gigs. Before it was the new wave punk, late 70s, Oingo Boingo. It was the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, a jazz band. So, you know, I was there at all those shows that barely drew 50 people at the Westwood Playhouse and all that stuff. And now to see this guy, the preeminent, he's taking over and has for a number of years in some ways from uh, the guy who did Star Wars, all the music from that. What's his name? John, John Williams. Yeah. And he did all the original Batman movies uh, with Michael. He's Keaton. basically the new Henry Mancini. He's of, of... The, the theme song. I mean, he could rest alone on the money he's made from creating the theme music for the Simpsons. Been played more than any other song in history. Yeah. So if you, if you think about like how the Simpsons is played, the Simpsons theme is played in syndication. Yeah, There's every probably hour it's somewhere. But this movie, The Nightmare, it was a stop motion animation. I feel, I still think it's one of the greatest non-live, you know, support. Oh, it is great. I actually knew some of the animators it's from that film. Music. You can actually, I'm not going because I'm still COVID scared, shy. But almost every year he gets all of the original folks. Like we've talked about Catherine O'Hara from SCTV, that great comic from Schitt's Creek, et cetera, one best actress in a comedic role. She comes as, as Pee Wee and they sing, you know, either their solo or their joint group songs with the uh, LA Philharmonic Orchestra. And the place is completely packed. I think it's- I had friends who just went. I had friends who just went. To, about it. And you can go online and see, I urge you, to do that and just check out the movie, listen to the music. It's out of this world. So I, I give and it. And I urge everyone to watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes because yeah. San Diego has never had a major horror film or science fiction film set in that county and other than Lady Wrestler, who she, Debbie Pelletier, who was married to the Alaskan Jay York, she took her wrestling name, Killer Tomato, from that movie, which was her favorite, wow. favorite movie of all time. You know, it was low budget crappy ed wood type uh uh what was the the worst evan it wasn't ed wood's movies 
that uh, the atomic robot, the one with the guy in the gorilla suit with the, the space uh, mask the, around his head, the goldfish ball around his head, that was the worst of all time. Something I thought the worst was all t- of all time was like the Marine Four WWE pictures. <laughs> that's hard to compete. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty hard one. Robot to, to Monster with. was what it was called. The guy just oh, a monster, yeah, 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 yeah. In a gorilla suit, a gorilla hairy store-bought suit with a fishbowl over his head. <laughs> He's supposed to be from outer space. Hey, can I can I just read something very very short? It'll take like one minute. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I wrote this like very spontaneously. I posted this on Facebook and it got a really nice response. I just wanted to share this and you guys will relate to this. Thoughts on my watching old school wrestling now. Let's say WWF or WWF from the 80s, for example. I marvel first and foremost at the amazing heat. And this is legit heel heat pissing the fans off and the face making the big comeback and the fans reacting. Off the charts, heat at times. Amazing. Tito versus Greg Valentine, for example. Man, those fans believed. And the unreal charisma of some of these guys. Piper, Savage, Bruno, Iron Sheik, Slaughter, Patera, Pedro, Snooker, JYD, Orndorff, and yes, Hogan, whether you like them or not. Just walk down the aisle and the building shook charisma. Amazing. And then I start to get into the match like I'm there again. But it suddenly dawns on me like I'm waking from a dream. He's dead. And he's gone too. Man, three out of four of these guys in this match are dead. And so is Monsoon and Heenan and the ring announcer and quite often the rest, the referee. This is just a flickering image like an old movie. And I feel this melancholy. It just hits me especially when I was friends with some of them, like Nikolai, Johnny Valiant. It's this joyful yet painful experience each and every time. But I'm happy for them that they're immortalized on film. They'll always be here for us to enjoy and savor the art of professional wrestling. And there's something wonderful about that, too. Yeah. That that was from the heart, man. I was watching... watching, uh, WWF, you know, late night one night, and every match it kept hitting me like that. He's dead. He's dead. You know. That was great sentiment. That's really wonderful. I, I, in fact, I can't really add to that. So I I think we should probably end the show on the that that thought process. Now that I I depressed everybody. Yeah. Well, you got trick or treaters. You got to take care of. I got trick or treaters. I got to get ready for for getting out there. Also. Want all of our listeners to have a, a happy and safe Halloween, and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you, everyone, and, and see you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.